0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 176 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Michelle Parker, and I have to say something right off the bat. I'm literally here with Michelle Parker because Michelle is someone who I met through the intermittent fasting world. She started off just as a group member, and then another friend got to know her through the group, Sherry, who I do the Life Lessons podcast with. And Sherry said, Hey, I think Michelle would make a great moderator. And I was like, all right, come on board. So then Michelle came on board as a group moderator, and we've gotten to know each other. And she's been to my house, and we had the moderator retreat back in 2019. And she is here with me at Myrtle Beach, staying in my little beach cottage. So literally, Michelle is here with me. Michelle normally lives in Nashville, Tennessee, where she is an executive headhunter. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Well, truly. Literally having Uh, you at the beach. (laughs) I have never recorded with someone who is here with me face-to-face. It was so close we could reach out and touch each other. So that's a lot of fun. I do want to say right off the bat before I forget that whenever we talk about you being a headhunter, I think of Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. It's not that. It's (laughs) not (laughs)
1: that. Yeah, so what I do is I partner with mainly private equity firms, and I help them to identify executives for the companies that they own. So mainly like the CFO or... Chief operating officer, and then the
0: positions reporting directly to that. Yeah, that's way better than the Gilligan's Island version. Did you ever watch Gilligan's Island and see the headhunters on there?
1: Well, years ago, but I think I was a little too young to remember.
0: I'm older than Michelle. Just a bit. (laughs) Just a titch. Just a titch. Well, even though we're here together, I'm going to start the way I always do. What brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that?
1: So I first started intermittent fasting in January of 2019, and... I was at the point in my journey where I had tried everything under the sun. I was that person who was always on the next new diet, like paleo or even keto. And then the next thing. And I mean, I was that person who I'd probably been on a diet since I was 14 years old. And I was really in this mindset of, even when I was at my leanest, I could never be thin enough. And it was January of 2019. I had just gotten back from a Christmas vacation with a friend and I was probably at the heaviest I'd ever been
0: in my life. I was just- Even though you had been dieting yeah, and tried all the diets, we diet ourselves right up to that heaviest weight. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: And- I'd moved to Nashville a few years before that. And over those few years, I'd gained about 30 pounds. And no matter what I did, it just came back. And I'd never encountered that. And I remember getting back from that trip. And I had a a girlfriend who'd done intermittent fasting. And she told me about it a year before. And, you know, she just loved it. And, you know, when I first heard about it, I just didn't think it was for me. And I was just at this point where something told me that it was, my answer. And so I reached out to her and I got advice for how to start. And she led me to your podcast originally, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. And I listened to a bunch of episodes and then I was the person who, I just kind of do everything a hundred percent. Right. I get yeah. that. Yeah. So I dove right in and I started right away with like 24
0: and yeah, it just... Snowballed from there. I love that. Mm-hmm. So January of 2019, when you heard about it, it just felt different that time yeah. than it had the time before.
1: Well, I knew a bit about it and I knew some of the good reasons why it might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'd fasted a bit through other diets that I'd done. And so I knew some of the science behind it, but not all of it. I had done some extended fast before. Okay. So when I came to it, I came to it a little bit warm to the subject, but I just never thought that a, one meal a day right. could be the right fit for me. But I'm a big person too, who I like to understand the why behind things. So once I really dove in mm-hmm. and I listened to your podcast and that just cemented to me that, yeah, this could be really good. Then I read the book and, light, I'll deny. Yes. Yeah. and then I read Jason Fung's book. And The dots connected and I knew like this is going to be the right thing for me.
0: And all of a sudden it felt like a lifestyle instead of just something that you would just do a little bit and then stop doing. Exactly. Once it all gets submitted as a lifestyle, you know, you're not going to stop. You're just going to keep going. Mm -hmm. I think that makes all the difference. It did for me when it finally clicked that it was a lifestyle and not something I was just doing for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. Then you come to peace with it in a different way that you hadn't before. Yes. I think that the knowing the why and
1: the knowing that this really could be a rest of my life thing, right? That's when everything came together. And Then I thought everybody should
0: intermittent fast, of course. <laughs> of, <laughs> I did course. Too, yes. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah. Absol- unless you are pregnant, breastfeeding, or if you have a diagnosed eating disorder and you know that it makes you worse. Mm-hmm. Other than that, check with your doctor if you're not sure, but for the most of us, it leads to health. You know, I like to say it's the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. Exactly. So you found Mm -hmm. the groups. When did you join the groups? Um, It was probably
1: a month in Okay. Then I joined the groups. And I'll tell you, when I first started intermittent fasting, I did start it with more of a mindset of a diet in a lot of ways. Me too. I did. With the mindset that I'd had my whole life Mm -hmm. of, I hate my body. How can I make it smaller? I hate my body. How can I make it smaller? And I was the person who at first it was white knuckling it up until my window opened. Mm -hmm. And then it was, well, what can I eat to make my body smaller? And I think when the real mindset shift happened for me is when it was about a month in Mm -hmm. and I had a session with my therapist at the time and it was one of those tear felt therapy sessions where I laid it all out on the line. and I shared my frustrations with, you know, my diet, my weight. And I mean, keep in mind, I was not a very heavy person ever. I was probably like a size 10 then, right? you know, like I was not like a fat person by any means. But you didn't feel good in your body. I did not feel good. You felt like you needed to change it. I did. Mm -hmm. I felt not good in my own body. And my therapist looked at me and, you know, she said, Michelle, like, I'm really concerned because it's like something's not connecting. And she said something to me that I'd read in an Instagram post before, but then it just really didn't click. She said something along the lines of, it's really hard to heal a body that you hate. Oh yeah. That's huge.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And she was so right. Mm -hmm. And she suggested at that point that i listen to this podcast interview and it was um Hillary McBride on the Gen ha- Hatmaker show i love her for hatmaker yeah She's yeah great. it was it was all about body shame
0: mm-hmm. and
1: she'd written this book and it was about the relationship between mothers and daughters and you know she talked about these women who had such a good relationship with their body and how they did and i it just was really enlightening to me and it made me realize that I mean, I was coming at this the total wrong way For Right, my whole life. I was the person who was on the Weight Watchers, and I would kick my butt into gear at the gym all with this mindset of how can I make my body smaller? And I mean, where in life do we ever
0: look to make ourselves smaller? And where in life is that a good thing? You're exactly right. And we've been really trained as women that we need to have a certain kind of body. It needs to look a certain way fit in our clothes a certain kind of way and it's been hard we all have you know quote trouble areas and they have potions and lotions that they will sell to us and cosmetic procedures they want to do to get us that perfect body Mm -hmm. and we're so caught up in that negative paradigm that we do begin to become our own worst critics Mm -hmm. and that's the thing we are our own worst critics to the point that you know you and I have been here at the beach we've been out on the beach I'm not looking around at the other women and judging their bodies in any way. Are you never? And yeah. I'm also loving watching the people just being full of joy on the beach. And they don't seem to be judging their bodies either. I'm not, they're not, the children are not. We're just here loving our bodies and enjoying what they can do. Exactly. And so for me, once I realized that, right. Well,
1: then, I mean, the groups were great because I connected with Sherry, right. Our friend, Sherry, <laughs> It was just a whole mindset shift for me. It was not so much, well, what can I do to make my body smaller? Mm -hmm. It was, how can I serve my body? How can I heal my body? And how does eating this make me feel? Right. Or how does fasting like this make me feel? You know, when I eat this food, how does my body react? And how can I best serve my body by what I'm doing from an exercise perspective? And that led me down a whole journey where it was kind of a science experiment in a way. Like I was really intrigued to understand my genetics. And I went and did the 23andMe genetics test to understand what foods my body responded best to. And I did the
0: biome test. And And that's your gut, right? Yeah. And do you send, send in, a, like, a stool sample? Yep. Mm-hmm. One of those sexy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it
1: was really hot. Really hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It was a whole different mindset shift, which led me down this whole journey. And a lot of things happened along the way, which I know you're aware of. Right. Which was also just all
0: a part of what brought me to this point today. So tell us about some of that. So you, mm-hmm. you had not done your genetic testing then until... You mm-hmm. were already in the intermittent fasting world and you were curious about what foods might work better for your body or what you could learn. Yes. But did you learn some surprising things? Spoiler I alert, didn't. I do already know I the answer didn't. to the question. So what did you learn that might have surprised you? So the reason why I originally did the genetic test, it was for the
1: food thing, but then right. also I was wondering if I had an MTHFR mutation mm-hmm. because early on in my journey, I also consulted with a functional registered dietitian who made me aware that one of the reasons why all of a sudden over the past few years, i had been gaining weight and not been able to lose it may have been because of my breast implants. I got okay. breast implants a few years before. And ever since I got them in, I had all this inflama- all these inflammation issues. So I was also curious about that. And one thing that came out of the genetics test that I did not expect is I found out that I have a genetic mutation, which makes me very predisposed to certain cancers, including breast cancer and ovarian cancer. I have a BRCA mutation.
0: So tell them, people that might not know what that is, tell them a little bit more about that. So
1: the BRCA mutation, essentially everybody has a BRCA gene. Okay. And the BRCA gene is essentially, if it's functioning properly, my understanding is it makes it so you're not as prone to develop tumors. And I have a SNP on certain BRCA genes, which make it so I'm more apt to, to develop tumors in my mm-hmm. breast and my ovaries and it increases my lifetime risk for breast and ovarian cancer breast to like 80 to 90 percent and ovarian i think it's like a lifetime risk of like
0: 30 to 50 percent so if you have the mutation that you have your 80 to 90 percent likely up, to, up to, to okay Yes. up to up 80 to, to 90 percent lifetime lifetime likely mm-hmm. to develop a breast cancer and it
1: goes up over time right And I mean, I had no idea. We don't have a lot of family history of Mm. breast cancer, at least on the side of the family that I probably have the genetic mutation. Okay. One of my mom's sisters had breast cancer, but that's not on the side of the family that I believe the mutation came from just based on hereditary ethnicity. My dad's side of the family is Ashkenazi Jewish, Mm -hmm. which is, it's very common in Ashkenazi Jews where it's not very common at all in the general population. So it was a surprise. And so I went in and I I met with a breast surgical oncologist and the breast surgical oncologist, he gave me a few different options. One would be to have a prophylactic mastectomy. And I just, I wasn't ready for that step. And right. I do not know that
0: I will be ever. That, um, that that seems like a lot to do, doesn't yeah, it? it? Yeah, it does. I understand people who might make that decision, mm-hmm, but absolutely. it's still, it's a big one, right? It is.
1: Especially knowing that, I didn't want to have breast implants. Right. And there are reconstruction options if you don't want implants, but they're a lot more invasive and Mm -hmm. the surgery is a lot more invasive. And I don't know, but it was the whole thing. And so I went with the surveillance route, which means that I have an MRI once a year and I have mammograms once a year. So every six months I have something. Okay. And then they do something similar for my ovaries as well. And the first... MRI that I had it came back that I had
0: several masses oh gosh and I bet you were just terrified yeah actually I I remember (laughs) yeah you were were a moderator by that point right yeah so you were sharing about it in the groups
1: yeah it was the moderator groups yeah and I so how I scheduled it because they have to schedule it in line with your cycle right so how I had to schedule it was my mom was in town and it was like July 5th. Mm-hmm. So it was right after the 4th of July. And then I'd scheduled a surgery to get my breast implants out that next Monday. And so I had the MRI. I was the last appointment in. And after I had the appointment, I went to the pharmacy to pick up my medicine for my surgery. And I got a call from the radiologist while I was at the pharmacy telling me about these masses. And then I got a call from the plastic surgeon saying that we we needed to postpone the surgery. And, I mean, it was really scary. I bet it was. And they couldn't do the follow-up appointment for two weeks after. But that was another step where, I mean, for that two weeks, I was really terrified. And I started listening to the Crispy's Cancer podcast.
0: And what would I do if I had breast cancer? Because you didn't know. You were like, is this the the moment in time where I'm going to find out that I do have breast cancer? I didn't. But Mm -hmm. it was also another...
1: Thing that made me really think about my body differently. Right. And I knew that if I did have breast cancer, I'd get, I, my plan would be, it'd probably be stage one. It'd probably be very early mm-hmm. and I would just get a mastectomy, but I would not get breast implants. I right. would get, re- I was looking at different reconstruction options. And you were making a plan. Yeah. And well, here's the thing though, the reconstruction options, you have to have enough body fat to do them if you're not getting implants. And so I remember like, feeling around my waist and saying, is this enough for an A cup? You know, <laughs> where I mean, right. like before I was like, man, I'm a little chunky here. But then when you think about it from that perspective, it just really made me again, it made me think about my body differently. Right. And, you know, my look at what my body's done for me this far.
0: Well, you know, when you're dealing with something that could be a potential, you know, life changing health event that you might not survive, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible you suddenly think about your body in a new way. A new way, you're happy that your body can do the things you're asking it to do. Instead of like, oh, how can I make my body smaller and working against my body, trying to be skinny? You're like, oh my gosh. Now suddenly, health is the most important thing, the number one thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, it all worked out that thankfully
1: it was not cancer, but, you know, along the way, I mean, that mind shift had happened. And knowing that I have a high risk for cancer, everything I do, both from a healthcare perspective and how I approach different health decisions, right. healthcare decisions that I make, as well as diet and exercise and how I eat and personal care products that I use. You're going to love cleanish. Yes, I know. <laughs> I guarantee that I will. Well, I've chosen, I mean, I'm not going to get the prophylactic surgeries. Right. I can't change my genetic risk for cancer, but I can change anything else that would put me at
0: high risk for cancer. So you've done a lot of research about how to have the healthiest lifestyle. Exactly. Exactly. And it's come down to what you're putting in
1: Mm -hmm. and on
0: your body makes a difference. It does. It definitely does. definitely does. Yeah, Yeah, I don't have the BRCA mutation because I've done the genetic testing. I don't have it. But, you know, we all want to make sure that what we're putting on and in our bodies gives us the best chance for health. So, again, talk about some of the things that you've learned about what's important. You kind of just hinted at it, but in specific.
1: Yeah. So, over time, so finally... I did get to have my breast implants out because okay, I so that was, when did you do that? That was recently. I just got to do that. And oh, because of the pandemic, right. Is yeah. that why you yeah. had to wait? Exactly. And some of the things, okay. That I learned when it comes to cancer, it's, it's a lot of the same things that will cause people to hold on to wait too. But one thing that really does elevate your risk for cancers, high inflammation mm-hmm. in the body. So I really have made sure to be aware of how foods impact inflammation levels in my body, which is why, you know, I don't eat or I don't consume like highly processed oils, for example. Right, And I eat very organic and I had a lot of cognitive for a long time. I had cognitive dissonance around the fact that I still drink alcohol for a really long time because I knew that. It took a lot for me to make this decision. Right. It, it was a journey to get me there, especially through COVID, because I did a lot of after, you know, heavy, intense, scary times, after intense work days, after work cocktails by myself during right. COVID. Yes. Right. It took me a lot to get there. But I know that even if you, a woman who has three drinks a week increases her chance for breast
0: cancer to up fifteen percent. To those that don't drink at all. And if you know that you have a mutation that makes your body more susceptible to breast Mm -hmm. cancer, you really don't want to do anything that you know is linked to an increased risk. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So recently, this was just this past March, I stopped drinking alcohol altogether. And, you know, I did so too with the mindset shift. I read This
0: Naked Mind. Which I recommended also to you. You had read it before, but then I recommended it again because I just read it.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: But because I chose, you know, I knew
1: I changed my subconscious beliefs around alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe though that shifting into an intermittent fasting life cycle or lifestyle, it really set me up for success with stopping drinking too, because I chose to do it. I have just as much fun in life without alcohol. I've gone on multiple girls' trips, yep. alcohol free, and I just feel freer without it. And I feel better. Like right away when I stop drinking, I mean, I don't weigh myself, but I definitely noticed that my clothes fit differently
0: about a month in. Mm-hmm. And I just felt better and I felt lighter. Well, we can absolutely attest to the fact that you can have a fun girls trip without alcohol because we've not been drinking at all. Mm -hmm. And Michelle, everybody, is turning me on to the whole idea of fabulous mocktails at restaurants. Exactly. I never had asked the bartender to whip up a mocktail. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But we did that. We went to brunch. It was like a three o'clock brunch the other day. This wonderful place in Pauly's Island called Local because people always want to know what I'm talking about. But in Pauly's Island, it's a great restaurant. The name is Local, and they have brunch every day till three. Mm-hmm. So we crafted our day around. We wanted to make sure we got there before brunch was over, and we sat down. and Michelle said we would like mocktails. What can the bartender do? And they just whipped something up. What was in it? Do you remember? The first one wasn't as good. It wasn't as good as no. the second one, but it was still good. Was I really, good. I liked they it better had, than like, you some
1: did. Some berries and maybe some bitters, and mm-hmm. the bitters were good. Some the kind of berry. Yeah. Yes, the second one was good. Here's the trick. If you want a good mocktail, you want it to be a little spicy or bitter. Some bartenders will just make them really sweet, and that's not what you want. You want a little spice
0: or a little bitter. So like a good non-alcoholic, like a margarita, spicy margarita. margarita. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So last night I had a spicy pineapple margarita. And we tried alcohol free wine. I mean, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it's not the best in the yeah. world. It's not like you're drinking wine, but. Yeah. And also, I've been very excited to discover here on this trip with Michelle that I do like non alcoholic beer. Mm-hmm. I would never in a million years have thought to order that. It's probably the best non alcoholic thing you can get. Like a reply, like yeah. one that's like mm-hmm. trying to be non alcoholic wine is not like wine. That is true. Mm-hmm. It is not. But. Heineken 0.0 mm-hmm. is the absolute best non-alcoholic beer. It really, You really do feel like you're drinking a beer. Yes. But it has no alcohol. Exactly. I also really like the
1: hopped tea. If mm-hmm. people like like a good hoppy beer, Hoplark is excellent. And I like Lagunitas makes the hop water. Mm-hmm. And it, the great thing about those is they also have zero calories, zero gluten. So if you want something that's like really light and fresh – Alcohol-free beer still does have gluten, and for some people, it makes them feel heavier. Right. So I really like the hop tea too. It's really good. It's I've never seen it. Where do you get though? it?
0: They have it in Nashville. You have it at the
1: turnip Truck or Whole okay. Foods, okay. like any kind of organic food store. Trader Joe's has the hop water.
0: You're just naming all the places we don't have in Augusta. I know. <laughs> we have I Sprouts. Know. That is it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I wonder, they might would have it there. They have a lot they of good things do. there. What's it called? Probably, Hoppy.
1: Hop tea. It's hop, hop lark.
0: Tea. Okay. Hop lark. It's brewed in I think like Boulder, Colorado. That's okay. really good. Okay. Well, I've just been very pleasantly surprised at how much I'm enjoying the non-alcoholic beer. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be disgusting. I was fully prepared to be like, no, this is not good. Mm-hmm. But I've now had like three different ones at three different restaurants down here. And you really do feel you get that same enjoyment of like, I'm having this, beverage you're in the the beach Mm -hmm. but no alcohol and then you feel so much better exactly yeah
1: it's the best
0: (laughs) you never have a hangover ever again that is true it's the best Yeah. yeah I do love that so you focus on organic foods yes and just eating clean most of the time I mean I'm not going to
1: if I'm going out to a really great dinner I mean I usually do eat at restaurants that just have high quality food in general right but I'm not going to say, is this produce organic? or At the restaurant, yeah.
0: yeah. Just like me, you're clean-ish. Clean-ish, exactly. Yeah. We've had some wonderful food. It was still the, my favorite thing I've had so far. Do you, well, let's both kind of compare notes and say what our favorite thing was so far. Hmm. Mine was the burrata. Yeah, that brunch. burrata was amazing. Yeah, burrata, for anybody who doesn't know, I didn't know for a long time what it was. It's like mm-hmm. a mozzarella. That was very good. I loved... With tomatoes. The mm. pizza we had the first night, yep. too, was really good. And then the biscuit benny was really good, Yeah, so the, for anybody who's good. ever in Surfside Beach, Surfside Beach, South Carolina, I'm re- we're really south of Myrtle. So when I say I go to Myrtle Beach, I'm not actually in Myrtle. I'm south of it. But it's a huge area, and it's all considered Myrtle. If you're ever in Surfside, Pizza Hyena, that's where we went, mm-hmm. and they have like a brick oven pizza, and you got to get the one... This is guac word is the name of the piece. Yes. it looks weird, and I keep trying to get people to get it, and everybody's like, "No, I don't want that one." But finally, this time, I'm like, okay, you have to get this. I could tell that you liked that one the <laughs> best, and I believed you, and, and it you was got my most favorite. I
1: did when you talked about that yeah. one, and you're like, "I could really care less." I'm like, "You, well, let's get that one." Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I'm just I'm, right. there, I've
0: never had one there I didn't like, right. but that was my favorite. This is guac word. It's like an avocado sauce, mm-hmm. and then like. Pulled pork or something, pork carnitas kind of stuff. Anyway, it was really so good. good. Yes. It was really good. <laughs> that was the best. So we've enjoyed ourselves through Myrtle Beach. But you know, like right now, we're recording this. It's three thirty in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's a little rainy out there right now, so it's a good time to come in off the beach. Mm-hmm. And we haven't opened our windows yet. No, we're still fast. We're gonna go eat after we're done. We have four thirty reservations, like your grandma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. We're going to go eat at the um, Sea Captain's house. Mm-hmm. And have our our she crab soup. Yep. That's they important. Amazing she crab soup. We're going to watch the ocean, even though it might be a little rainy out there. My favorite thing about the Sea Captain's house, for anybody who's ever been to Myrtle Beach and knows where it is, it is just one of the oldest restaurants. It's right there on the ocean. And it's been there since, I guess it's been a restaurant maybe since the 50s. It used to be a house before it was a restaurant. And they turned it into a restaurant, so... It is really neat. I'm excited to go there. Yeah. So you no longer feel like you're fighting against your body. No. Talk about that. I don't.
1: I don't. It just feels easy, you know? I would say it's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different – it's just a mindset and lifestyle shift where before I felt like I needed to beat my body into shape. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like I – listen to my body and I ask myself, how do different foods make me feel? And it's just a mindset of how can I best serve my body? And I mean, you're not going to fight against a body that you're trying to serve. You're just not. not.
0: That's right. And how does that look with how you move your body and and like the exercise mm -hmm. maybe that you used to choose versus the exercise that you choose now? Sure.
1: So I used to be really into like high intensity interval training and I don't know, like kickboxing and, and you chose that. Why? Because I wanted to burn more calories. That's what I thought you'd say. (laughs) Yeah. I just wanted to whip my body into shape where now knowing that I have this high cancer risk, I mean, I want to do something that I know is also really great for stress management for Mm -hmm. breathing. And so I've gotten really into more, I'd say a power flow yoga, Mm -hmm. which I mean, you get a great cardiovascular workout, but it's also strengthening. and it's really great for stress management too, and breathing and flexibility. and i I know it's an exercise that's also great when it comes to my goals when it comes to like lowering inflammation, right and everything else. I mean, sometimes I'll do some strength training too, but my I really do enjoy yoga probably more than anything else on my back porch. I'd say one thing that I'd bring up, too, is often in the groups when I was moderating, I noticed that I think when people took the approach of how can I whip my body into shape, I think sometimes it's easy to miss things. And for me, that was definitely true when it came to the breast implants, because I will tell you that since I got my breast implants removed, I
0: immediately noticed a difference. In your levels of inflammation? Mm-hmm. Like, how could you tell? What did you notice specifically? Well, I'd say when I got them out, within a, a couple of weeks,
1: I was down a size in pants. Wow. And, I mean, just overall inflammation levels, like my face looked less puffy. Also, my skin became much more clear. Mm-hmm just across the board, I felt like an overall level of less inflammation. I was less stuffy Mm -hmm. and my brain was less foggy. But I mean, this is consistent with a lot of the women that I know who've had breast implants. Right? You see some women who they'll lose like 15 pounds like this, just from getting their breast implants removed. But if you think of it, They have like a ton of heavy metals and chemicals and everything else in them. And your body is constantly having to deal with that. Hence the high inflammation. I mean, if you think about when you get a splinter, how your finger will get all red. Right. If you have a splinter in your finger, I mean, think about that, having something in your body that is foreign that your body just does not want there all the time. Your body's always fighting to get this thing out. It's like on alert, mm -hmm. high alert. And I definitely felt a difference after I got them out. That's amazing.
0: You just really reduced inflammation, and your body is able to kind of just relax and okay. Thank you for taking care of that. Just heal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, for all of us, there could be something. For you, you were able to pinpoint that it was your breast implants. For other people, you could have increased inflammation for multiple reasons. Exactly. It could be something that you're eating that doesn't agree with your body. It could be maybe your house has mold. It could be. There's so many things Mm -hmm. that it could be. And if if you recognize that you, you what are some of the signs like the puffiness? Mm -hmm. The
1: puffiness, brain fog Mm -hmm. can be a thing. Also, like just overall stuffiness. Like if you know you're eating really clean and in a low inflammation diet, yet you're still seeing a lot of signs of inflammation, your eyes will be red like all the time. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, like if you're not someone who previously, experienced a lot of breakout or acne, like skin conditions can be a thing too. Eczema, Mm -hmm. aches and pains too, like arthritis. I never had arthritis before I got breast implants and all of a sudden I was having arthritis in my feet. Oh, wow. When I got them out, they went away. That's one reason too, I think intermittent fasting did help me a lot because I think it did help address some of that inflammation, you know, but I couldn't really get to the big inflammation driver.
0: You couldn't get to where you really wanted to feel your best Mm -hmm. until you got the breast implants removed. Yes.
1: I think stopping drinking Mm -hmm. and then getting my breast implants removed were like the two main game changers and really finding a better level of health. And I'm still detoxing from getting the breast implants out. I'm still... I mean, I still, I mean, I had them in for six years. Okay. So there still is heavy metals that I need to detox from my body.
0: So would you go back in time and tell your six-year-old younger self not to do that? Mm-hmm. I think we both have things. With, yes. we Every person listening, we have things we'd like to go back and tell our younger self, don't do that. But now I'm telling anyone thinking about right. it. Don't do I that. Don't do it. <laughs> really look into
1: it. If I had to do it all over again, I just would have, I didn't like the shape of my breasts. So right. I just fix that you can just get a breast lift
0: right and i Instead probably would have done that yeah that mm-hmm. would have made a difference there
1: but now i have the breast I, I always wanted so you got so. the implants
0: removed and a lift at the same time exactly. right? exactly exactly <laughs> there you go you can't beat that Mm-mm. you can't so you i guess found a community of people mm-hmm. the breast implant community yes and mm-hmm. that really helped
2: mm-hmm.
0: it did how can people find you know, if there's someone listening and there's got to be Someone who's like, oh my gosh, you know, I never even connected those dots. I wonder if that could be it. How can they find a community connect to connect with or
1: Yes? So on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I was. And there is a really good Facebook group called Healing Breast Implant Illness by Nicole. And you can find her website too. I think it's like healing breast implant illness dot either com or dot org. But it's, you know, this woman who she first started really looking into all this stuff. And there's a bunch of women on that in that group. I bet now it's like definitely over 200,000. Wow. But I'm not in the group anymore. So yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> um, so
0: health healing breast implant illness mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah. Okay.
1: And I'm sure nowadays I'm sure like almost everybody knows
0: someone who's had issues with their breast implants. It's
1: pretty common.
0: You know, my grandmother she had breast cancer when I was young and you know we really didn't talk about it. Yeah. It was one of those things that I kind of was like, like whispers about it. And I really don't even know much about what she went through, to be honest, because I don't know, maybe it was taboo yeah. to really talk about back then. But I know she had implants. Yeah. And I know that I do know that her health took a turn after that for the worst. Yeah. And I know that she did eventually have them removed. Did I ever tell you this before about my grandmother? Yeah. She eventually had them removed, but it was one of those things that I wish I could go back. Anybody who's listening, if you've still got your grandparents living, Mm -hmm. go talk to them about things because you're going to wish you had talked to them about these things. And one day and you're going to be like, darn, why didn't I ask those questions? of my grandmother. And I have a lot of things I'd like to go back and ask my grandfather too. Mm -hmm. talk about, but she had those same problems. So I'm definitely aware. Yes. And then
1: the key is there are some things that if anyone is wondering or wants to get their breast implants removed, make sure to go to that group because how they do it is really important
0: too. The methods. You don't just want to go to anybody and have them do it. No,
1: If you go to any old plastic surgeon, they'll just say that They want to deflate your implants and take them out, but it's really important that they do a capsulectomy, that they take the capsules, which is the scar tissue that forms around the implants. They take it out with the implant because sometimes like that scar tissue is encapsulating any sort of toxic stuff that comes out from the implants. I mean, they leach into your body. They really do. I mean, you should see mine now. I'm not going to show you them. You have them? Yeah. Oh, gosh. One of them is discolored. I mean, there is definitely leaching into my body. They do. And the capsules will protect your body to some level, but you want to make sure to get those things out. And so you want a capsulectomy and you want a surgeon who will do that. And there's a whole list of surgeons on the site. I went to Dr. Tarola was exceptional in Murfreesboro. Okay, awesome. I mean, there's a few great surgeons in the Nashville area, but there's great surgeons all
0: over the country Everywhere. who do this. Mm-hmm. And the doctor understood, like, why you wanted them out exactly. and was, like, right there with you and said, yep.
1: Yes. He does more explant surgeries than implants now. Wow. Quite a few more. Quite a few more.
0: Mm-hmm. And silicone? There's
1: silicone? I had silicone, but mm-hmm. even the saline have silicone shells. Right. So there's many women have a lot of issues with even the saline right and i'll tell you in comparison with some of the other women that i met i had much less issues than some of the worst issues that we saw in the group
0: right so but it was still enough that you noticed a difference could you tell right away six years ago when you had it done right away right if you even look at a picture of me
1: from before i had it till after like my face just looks puffier yeah i just look puffier and I look like I've I aged like five years in like a year.
0: Wow. From having them in. Yeah. I, I mean, it
1: was like night and day.
0: It was crazy. That's amazing. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've never, never ha- thought about having breast implants, but I definitely won't. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> I definitely now won't. Now you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So describe your intermittent fasting style or pattern to everyone and also talk about how that's changed over time. Sure. So I've
1: pretty much been pretty consistent from the beginning. All right. For the most part, I've just found that one meal a day works for me. The best it works great with my lifestyle. I mean, I have a pretty intense job. So, for me actually, it's been great because mm-hmm. it's great from a time management perspective. So, what I do is I get up in the morning and I pour myself a cup of coffee or during the summer, I pour myself some cold brew and then I go out on my back porch. And I spend some time out there just, you know, journaling and reflecting. And then I come in and I start my day and I, I work all day. And then usually I open my window during the week at around six or seven, depending. And I usually like to open my window with a smoothie and then I make myself a nice dinner. Mm. And I mean, during the week, my windows are much shorter, probably anywhere between like one, two hours, sometimes three. I don't really count anymore. And then during the weekend, sometimes I'll open my window earlier and close it earlier just because it works more with my lifestyle when I'm with friends. Mm -hmm. But one meal a day has consistently worked well for me. But over, I mean, when I first started fasting, I, I did a few, like even 72 hour hour fasts with the mindset of health with my cancer risk. Right. I've done some alternate day fasting as well. But one thing I found is I don't really sleep well to begin with and I really do get high levels of ketones and they keep me up. When I'm in in ketosis, I don't sleep well to begin with and I really need
0: to sleep for my job. So I don't do a lot of the alternate day fasting just because it doesn't work for my sleep. I really, that's so true for me. Even now, you know, the first day I was here at the beach last, like a week ago, when I got here, I had to do a lot of work because we're selling a condo and I had to move stuff I had to i to move a lot of boxes and pack up two different kitchens and swap them basically mm-hmm. <laughs> swapping two kitchens of stuff but I didn't really have much time to eat because well, I was just busy I drove down here then I did all the work for hours and then I had a really quick meal my window was probably I mean 15 minutes mm-hmm. that day and then I just couldn't sleep yeah just yeah. from that. And so then I was like, darn it. <laughs> That'll do it. It'll do it. I was in deep ketosis because I'd done a lot of physical activity and had a very short window. And so then the next day I opened it up, had a longer window, went and ate lunch. It was you know, probably two o'clock, a really mm-hmm. late lunch that day at a restaurant and had a I still had a lot of work to do. Then I felt so much better. Yeah. So I let that be a kind of a two-meal day. Yeah. And it it felt better. So, But you no longer time your window or count it. Did you ever use an app? I did for a long time. I don't even know what
1: the life app or whatever, Mm -hmm. forever. I just recently stopped counting it because I just felt like I didn't really need to anymore.
0: But I did for a really long time. So, I always like to ask, because it's interesting, were you a fast timer or a window timer? Fast. You were a fast timer. See, that's just so funny how so many people are, are fast timers. I was a window timer. I always thought about, it like, the fast. How long you had fasted. Did, what was your goal? Did you have, like, a
1: fasting goal? I, like 20 hours. But, okay. I mean, for me, the reason why I was fast timer is because I knew, I'm like, ooh, like, all this cool stuff that happens when your body is in
0: ketosis. Right. And I thought about it that way, too. So you wanted to make sure you got into those benefits. Like, we know that mm-hmm. fat burning ramps up when you start getting past our 18 and our 19. So you wanted to take advantage of that. The heightened levels of
1: human growth hormone exactly. and all that. Mm-hmm. Where I knew, like, some days I might have a longer window if I was on vacation. And, I mean, I didn't really count the window. I counted yeah. more.
0: The length of the fast. You see, I was so. the opposite, which people probably know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I counted my window time because I would tend to have a window that would just creep too long. Oh,
1: yeah. See, I never really did, and when I do have one that's too long, I don't want to feel bad about it.
0: Right. Like, oh yeah, I definitely don't want to feel bad. I don't want to worry about that. So I just yep. Well, I do not worry about it on vacation, which is great, as we were, like, eating cake last night. What time was it? Nine (laughs) o'clock? We had a very busy day yesterday. First of all, we had to swim in the ocean. Mm -hmm. That was important. Then we had to go shopping at the outlet mall. Yeah. It's also very important. And then by the time we ate, we went to another wonderful restaurant, Hook and Barrel. Mm -hmm. Isn't it Hook and Barrel? Yeah. Yeah. It's one I love. The owner of Hook and Barrel won like a chef award for South Carolina and she's got a cookbook. I can't think of her name, but I love to eat there. So we didn't eat. What time was it when we rolled in there?
1: Mm. Like six PM? Yeah.
0: Yeah, probably about
1: six. And then after that we went to Total Wine for an alcoholic. We beer. bought some stocked up
0: on Heineken zero point <laughs> zero. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. We're, we're like Where's your non-alcoholic beer? And the guy just looked at us. I mean, you know, <laughs> they had a great section of Total did. Wine. quite
1: a lot. And then non-alcoholic wine. Yeah,
0: we came back and drank, was it Cabernet, non-alcoholic Cabernet? Mm-hmm.
2: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was better than I thought it'd be. Right, actually. then we had cake. We, We split one piece of cake that we had gotten... Also, Hook and Barrel has wonderful does, like pastries because they have this other part where Michelle did not get to go. I've been several times. Um, it's called croissants. And it's like attached to the same building. And they have brunch and lunch. And it's really good. I took my sister there when we were here in April.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's such a good brunch. So I can tell everybody the very best places to eat up and down the coast. <laughs> yes me too me although too, funny story live. we did ask the guy i got a sign for my house and uh-huh <laughs> he was here installing the sign and he's a local so i said can you tell us the places you like to eat he does not like to eat the same kind of places no. that i like to eat no you know pretty quickly <laughs> you know pretty quickly yeah. mm-hmm. so all the places he suggested we will not be going to no but <laughs> we're
1: not buffet eaters no, no no but
0: if you're looking for a really good buffet he told us a place you could go get that but i yeah, I, I don't really like a buffet because it never feels window worthy to me. It's never good quality. It yeah. has to be good quality. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. For so sure. That was, that was funny, but everyone is just so nice. That's what I love. They are. Everybody here. Everybody mm-hmm. here. We've met some good friends along the way. We really have everybody's got the vacation mode feeling even the people who live here, mm-hmm. which is what I like about it. And everybody we've met pretty much lives here too. Almost. You're right. That is true. Uh-huh. We're, you know, we're here. It's this episode comes out. So people might be really confused when they're hearing it when we're talking about getting in the ocean and swimming, because this episode comes out December 2nd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we are recording it in August. So mm-hmm. it's the the ocean is so warm to get in and it's just beautiful. But yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people move here from somewhere else. Yes. So we've met people who moved here from New York, people who moved here from Ohio, mm-hmm. Boston. Boston. That's right. Yep. So it's been really Really fun. So, is there anything you struggle with with intermittent fasting?
1: Well, okay. So, when I first started fasting, and this is something that I saw be consistent for a lot of people, is for the first month or so, this is something that I saw a lot, not just with me, but there is this transition period when you first start. And I mean, the first thing is switching, you know, physically into a fasted state. And I think that that's probably the easiest part, honestly, you know, the, physical, the transition. physical transition is the easiest part. But then there's two other things that I've noticed that also take a transition. And one of those shifts that needs to take place is the habit shift. Oh, yeah. And I remembered when I first started fasting, I was used to before I started fasting, I'd always sit down at my kitchen table and I'd have breakfast, you know, it was like my habit and I was used to that habit. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the habit shift, one thing that I found to be really helpful with that is I still like during the year when it's cold out during the winter, I'll still sit down at my kitchen table, but with my coffee, right? And I, repl- I still have that habit of sitting down at my table and taking some time for me. And that really helped with that habit shift.
0: Yeah, that is something we hear from a lot of people that some people struggle with the opposite end of the day, the end of the day habits. Mm-hmm. So they'll, you know, they'll have intended to close their window, like maybe let's say seven o'clock, but they're used to sitting in front of the television and munching. Yes. Yeah. And so they have a hard time. Well, what am I going to do when I'm sitting in front of the television if I'm not having a snack? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
1: Or drinking wine. Right. Whatever it is. Yeah. For me, the closing the window wasn't hard. I actually really liked having that boundary of, Mm -hmm. okay, windows closed. But it was like in the morning, I loved sitting down and having breakfast because it was my time to kind of ramp up for the day. So finding something else that I really enjoyed that was Mm -hmm. for me at that time which I do every morning and I look forward to. And it's great. So that's been the habit shift. Then the other thing that I think is really key is the other trigger that a lot of people have for eating, which is emotional. Yeah, And I didn't think I really had that, but I do. I mean, I will tell you how I knew I did. And I think it's just helpful to be aware of it. Right. But when I first started fasting, I had some stuff going on at work and they'd hired this new manager and let's just say that I had a few little episodes where I just would get off the phone with her and I was a little angry. Right. And I remember one where I got off the phone with her and I walked into my kitchen and I opened up the pantry and I was like, why am I opening up the pantry? It's not time to eat. I'm like, why am I wanting to eat right now? Right. And I'm like, oh, it's because I'm angry. It's right. because I'm angry. And then just sitting down and acknowledging that. And I think it helps. A lot of people just try to white knuckle it away. But right. I think in my experience, it helps when you have an emotional trigger to eat when it's not time to eat. Acknowledging it and saying, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'm triggered to eat and I know it's not time to eat. I'm not eating out of habit, but I'm eating because I'm filling an emotional void right now. Sitting down and asking yourself, what am I feeling right now? And why am I
0: feeling it? Mm -hmm. And like working through the emotion, that really helped me personally. I know we Mm -hmm. get into the habit of like numbing our emotions with something. It could be food. It could be alcohol. But suddenly when you're doing intermittent fasting and your window is closed and you're not intending to open it, you have to figure out another way to deal with those emotions rather than numb them away. Yes. And so taking the time to sit down and acknowledge them. Sit with them for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Because you're right. We have all probably been there where we're opening the pantry or opening the fridge mm-hmm. to soothe that or feeling. Or because you're
1: bored. I yep. mean, that's kind of an emotion, too. Or what? I mean, and there are days. Like, last week, I had a really hard Friday. Mm-hmm. It was just hard. And I opened my window early because I wanted to soothe. I did. And that's okay. I was okay with it. I knew you thought about opening my window early. I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. I was okay with it. I had a good cry and that was okay. Yeah. I mean, this is not an easy world we're living in right now. And I think it's also important to have grace with yourself and not beat yourself up.
0: And you didn't beat yourself up or think you failed and it was okay. Mm -mm. And sometimes that's what you do. I
1: said, I know I'm sad. I know I'm upset. And I know I'm going to open my window and I'm going to eat really
0: because I'm sad and I'm right. upset. And mm-hmm. I did. And yeah. that was all right. Just I love okay. that. You gave yourself the grace to do it. Mm-hmm. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? So I think I'd go back to what we talked about earlier on. Mm-hmm. and episode. I mean,
1: I've shared a lot, but I think the most important thing that anyone can do when they're first starting out is I want you to ask yourself, are you doing intermittent fasting with the intent of how can I make myself smaller? Am I approaching this lifestyle like a diet? Am I trying every day when I get up and I'm trying to fast and when I'm choosing what to eat, am I doing so with the intent to make myself smaller? Because if you are, I'm telling you, those are the people in the group who we see leave the group or stop fasting mm-hmm. and give up the lifestyle and not really ever see the benefits that this lifestyle can bring to you.
0: And, you know, your body mm-hmm. is smaller. It is smaller. So it's okay. It's definitely
1: smaller. You it know,
0: will. It's okay to have a goal that you would like to be a healthy weight. Absolutely. But Absolutely. you don't want to fixate on the size of your body as the only thing. I think that
1: shifting the mindset to Mm -hmm. not say, because you see people just beat themselves up. Like, how can I lose weight? How can I lose weight? Oh my gosh, I'm not losing weight. I'm not losing enough weight. Oh my God. And I was that person. I was definitely that person. But once I said, do you know what? Like the weight loss is going to come, but the only way it's going to come is if I really serve my body, right? It's like, how can I serve my body? How can I best heal my body. How can I give my body what it needs? Right. Not how can I not eat enough in order to right. lose weight? Yep. It's like, actually, how can I give my body what it needs to heal it? And then the weight loss will come.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it's okay mm-hmm. to have weight loss as your goal. It certainly was Absolutely. for me. It was for you. And it was for me. And, you know, as we lose weight, that also helps us decrease our inflammation levels. You know, my allergies went away. After, exactly. after I lost, you know, 80 pounds. And that is a great thing. And I love moving through life in a smaller body mm-hmm. that is also strong and healthy. But I could make my body smaller. I don't have, you know, the washboard abs. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Every that, day I want to serve my body well.
1: I think it's just the mindset shift of how can I serve my body right. versus how can I just keep on losing weight? How can I lose weight? How right. can I lose weight? How can I lose weight? Because that's where I think it's really easy to get into this cycle of deprivation that actually is not serving your body. And it's going to
0: do the opposite in the end. Well, and it's because you also want to feel good mm-hmm. and, you know, just like for you and for me, and you know, I'm not completely alcohol free. You've been completely alcohol free since March, but I drink a lot less mm-hmm. and, and, For the first time now, you know, it's ever since 2015 um, when I hit my goal. And really 2016 when I started clean fasting, that really was when really everything really did change, was 2016. But ever since then, I've had more of the mindset of what makes me feel good. Exactly. Instead of, because I didn't need to lose any more weight. So instead of how can I, what can I do to lose more weight? Everything I did prior to really 2016 really Everything I did was, how can I lose more weight? Yes. And then post-2016, so for five years now, I've lived in the space of, what can I do to make me feel really good? Mm-hmm. And it's a whole different way of moving through life. Yes. And that was where the drinking less really came into play because I feel so much better. Yes.
1: And it's kind of that longevity right. mindset. Mm-hmm. And you'll naturally lose weight. When right. When you do approach your lifestyle in that manner. It's true. And you'll still get to eat delicious food, but you won't be eating crappy diet food, which is disgusting and actually
0: probably more inflammatory for your body. That's true. I think about all those things that came in pouches and bags and Mm -hmm. the calorie count was right there on there. Mm -hmm. That food was a whole lot more inflammatory than this avocado I've got in the fridge that I have no idea what the calorie count is on that.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't care. Exactly. I don't care. I know that there's good nutrients in it. Exactly. Don't count calories, count nutrients. You That's what your body anything. does. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle,
0: I have really enjoyed talking to you today. And everybody, we're going to go eat a delicious early bird dinner mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and have a great evening. But thank you so much for taking some time out of our wonderful trip to talk to me. Thank you. at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.
2: Hey, listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago, as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome the dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric, and this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they Met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today? Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this Bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless in the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser!